Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Jeremiah chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 37. So here in today's message, we see um, Jeremiah giving his first message to a backslidden nation, and that's the nation of Israel. So we have from chapters 2 to 6, um, he is. we are given the first five years of Jeremiah's ministry. He began in um, the 13th year of the reign of Josiah before finding before the finding of the book of the law by Halakiah, his father. So here we see Jeremiah giving this particular message and we also see a young king because uh, Josiah became king at the, at the tender age of eight years old. And, um, you know, Jeremiah began to actually give out his message. Um, you know, we see Jeremiah giving out his message even before the book of the law of Moses was actually found in the tabernacle. And um, we see here a king, Josiah, is seeking the Lord. And we also have a young uh, man. This is uh, just jo- Jeremiah at the age of 20 when he was called to um, the ministry of prophecy. And um, Josiah is like also, uh, you know, a young man. So, and who is seeking God. So it's, it's more of... You know, these two young people, obviously they knew each other and obviously they kind of fed up each other because, you know, they were both looking at uh, doing right by God. Josiah was chosen and ordained and sanctified by God and just uh, Josiah was seeking the Lord um, and trying to find his way. And then from chapters 7 to 9, we have a message which is about the... you know, the message is about the cleansing of the temple and the discovery of the book of the law, which was in the 18th year of the reign of Josiah. That's when this particular book was discovered. So the message, the message was actually being given out there by Josiah, um, you know, the message from the Lord, even before the book of the law was actually discovered. And he was still giving out that message when the temple was being cleansed by King Josiah. And then from chapters... 10 to 12 the message is that um you know the message that is there is uh, you know came about in a period of reform and revival and that was after the finding of the book of uh the law of moses so now there was like great revival and the revival was um you know it was a surface thing with uh, little emphasis on the word of god so um you know real revival actually happens when you know, there is emphasis on the word of God. This is why, uh, you know, at the passing of King Josiah, like the nation just backslid like that. You know, they they put up, uh, they worship foreign gods and they put up all these idols and all because the thing is their revival was just on the surface because here we have their king, Josiah, who wants to do good by God, who was raised right and who was living right and he was, you know, cleansing the temples and all. But for the people, it was out there for show so um for us to actually get a grasp of this prophetic uh book we need to like synchronize it and you know read the historic books and um 
we have from Second Chronicles 34, I'll begin at 1, it gives the historic background of the reign of King Josiah. Then we'll understand, you know, uh, Jeremiah's prophetic ministry. If we read, uh, because his ministry was at a time when King Josiah was reigning and, it, you know, they came about great revival. So um, in this historic book of the book of Chronicles, we have, um, I'll just begin reading from verse 4, from chapter 34, verse 1. And it reads, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left hand. So here, you know, in Second Chronicles 34 verse 3, during these three years, during, sorry, those five years um, is when Jeremiah was prophesying. So at verse 3 it reads, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places the wooden images and the carved images and the modeled images. So here, um, you know, he he was, um, you know, this is when Jeremiah is also prophesying. And um, dropping down in, in um, scripture, verse 4 reads, They broke down the altars um, of, ba of the bowels in the presence of the incense altars which were above them. He cut down the wooden images and the carved images and the modeled images. He broke into pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. So, you know, here was a great cleansing. He was doing right by God. Uh, in the sight of God. And, um, you know, this in the first five years is when Josiah also began his prophetic ministry. That was before the book of the law was actually discovered. So, um, you know, in chapter two, we find, you know, in chapter two, sorry, of Jeremiah, we find an earnest pleading of God. Um, you know, he's pleading, um, to, to, to the people who have forgotten him, who have insulted him, and who have turned against them. So if, if we go back to, to, to the book of Jeremiah. So um, from verse 1, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, it reads, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown, Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his um, increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. So here God is asking Israel to remember the springtime of their relationship. You know, when, you know, the first love. Um, so God is actually asking them to remember them, to remember him, you know, when he called them um, out of Egypt um, and um, how they followed the pillar of fire at night and the pillar of the cloud by day, how they were faithful to him, you know, how they were betrothed to God. And during this time, 
you know, the period that they sought the Lord and God reminds them of this. So they have turned away from God because um, they're in, you know, in this particular land today where they want to, uh, where they're actually following the foreigners' gods. So today, this is what is happening. You know, God is left out today of everything. God has been sidelined out of everything. You know, in our society today, in our workplaces, in our culture, in our schools, God is sidelined. So we are away from God today and we are chasing, you know, other idols. Today you have people chasing money, people wanting more and more, people chasing fame, people, you know, people chasing um, to be, you know, the better person, the best person at acting, the best person at at in athletics, the best politician, you know, people chasing to be uh, the, the, the richest person on earth, people wanting more and more. And, you know, people have forgotten to go back to God. To, you know, they have sidelined God. They do not include God in anything that they do. So, um, you know, people are chasing the wrong things today. And, um, you know, scripture here says, I remember thee, you have forgotten me. You know, God always remembers us, but, you know, we always tend to chase after, you know, the next, you know, the next paycheck. Like, you know, all our efforts and energy is, is directed towards, you know, worldly things. So verse 4 goes on to read of uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 4. It reads, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, uh, what injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me, have followed idols and have become idolaters? So here, you know, the 10 tribes of Israel were not lost. They were just in Assyria in captivity, but they were not lost. And God was speaking to them. And God is asking what he did wrong that they turned from him. So it, God is not unjust. You know, he's asking, am I unjust? Um, that, you know, we should all turn from him. So, you know, God was the one who was there with them when they were, um, when they, when, when they left Egypt, you know, from captivity, when Pharaoh let them go. And, you know, in those harsh, you know, 70 years when they're in the, in the wilderness, and that's a harsh condition. You cannot stay 70 years in the wilderness. Like you go to the Sahara and you want to stay there for like two minutes and leave but God was there and he provided for them so the people so um he's just asking am I an unjust God verse 6 goes on to read neither did they say where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt who led us through the wilderness through a land of desert and pits through a land of drought and the shadow of death through the land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt so here People didn't go through that country. You know, they didn't go through Egypt. You know, they didn't go through that desert. But God actually saw them through. God kept them, kept his people for 40 years. And he took care of them, but they turned away from him. So verse 7 goes on to read, I brought you into a bountiful country to eat uh, its fruits and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and you made my heritage an abomination. So here, you know, you know, they turned away from God because they started following foreign gods. And um, today, you know, there is a lot of, um, you know, a degradation in, 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 you know, our moral compass, in our behavior, in our condition. And, you know, there is moral filth. And here, this is what God is talking about. 
you know, they polluted the land with their immorality and, you know, their, you know, they, they just, they brought in filth, you know, in a land of milk and honey that God actually brought to them. So, um, you know, they, they was a degradation of character and this is what God is talking about here. Verse 8 goes on to say, the priests did not say, who is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. So here, um, you know, God puts the responsibility on the spiritual leaders. And the problem began in the church. And which is actually true. Like in any nation, you know... Um, you, you can tell the fall of a nation when um, its spirituality falls, when people just, you know, begin to bring in all these um, funny rules and laws, like, okay, we are opening up, to, you know, funny rules and laws, like, that are immoral, that are just degenerate, that are, you know, that are um, a degradation of, on our moral compass. And um, this is where you can actually tell, you know, that a nation is headed for disaster. So, um, you know, no nation falls until it falls spiritually because there is no spiritual law, there is no order, there is just no justice. And you can tell, you know, um, you know, if a nation falls, it actually fell spiritually. So Dr. J.B. McGee pointed out three things that actually happen um, upon like a fall of a nation. And this is spiritual. First of all, the first thing is spiritual apostasy. You know, people start... Um, you know, just technically being religious, but, you know, they deny the power therein. They do not know the word of God. They just follow, you know, they just go with the wind. You know, the wind blows south, they go south. The wind blows east, they go east. And, um, you know, they become holier than thou. They become, they, they, do, they do not actually um, know the word of God, but they just try to come out pious and religious. And then there's the moral awfulness. Um, you know, like there's just this uh, degradation of character. You know, you find there's a lot of lawlessness. In, in, in Thessalonians, we ended with the mystery of lawlessness that Dr. J.B. McGee preached about. You know, it's, it's not that, you know, like lawlessness, people are running around and, you know, like they're trigger happy and shooting guns everywhere. No, just the moral lawlessness that, um, you know, like things like um, you have certain things that are against the Bible and are made to actually look normal um like it's, it's normal to to infuse certain traits um you know like babylonian traits and um you know more biten traits in in our society today uh where you know there's just a lot of moral awfulness that's going around and then from that stage you have political anarchy and this is how great nations make their exits. Now there's political anarchy and people want to find someone else to blame, but they do not look from within themselves. So uh, people are just like so mad because things are just not going on so well in the country. Um, so they have their leaders to blame. And this is what, these are the steps of what happens when a nation is actually just exiting, you know, because there's no spirituality in that nation. So too many people who have to preach the word you know, they don't know the word of God. And, you know, I agree with Dr. Jamie McGee. He pointed out, if you're not going to give out the word of God, if you don't know the word of God, you have no business being on that altar. 
And, you know, we have a lot of people today, you know, they do little small crash courses and, you know, they go out there and lead people astray. This is why, you know, the Bible says, you know, my people will perish because of ignorance. The word of God is right here. Why should someone come and preach to you the word of God? You know, um, why should someone come and preach to you what they think? Their ideas and their thoughts about the word of God are not preached to you the word of God. And you find a lot of people today, they, you know, they, 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 they instead of preaching the word of God, they don't preach the word of God. So you have to know the word of God um, in order for you to know God. I have to know the word of God in order for me to know God. You know, if I read the scripture today and I don't understand it, I have to read it again. If I don't understand it, I have to continue reading it again. This is why you find a lot of people like, you know, they turn to like, oh, a particular book and they're like, oh, you know, I don't understand this. And they close it off and they don't bother to go back and read it again. If you read something over and over again, you tend to understand it. Um, just yesterday, uh, during my podcast, um, I'm doing a podcast and, um, you know, I get a phone call. So obviously the podcast cuts short. I take that phone call. Um, I decide to start again. I get another phone call. This happened like six times. I was just disturbed. Six times I was trying to put out a podcast. You know, at the end of the day, I was putting out this podcast. I was talking now. Um, I wasn't like I was reading from 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 like my notes and outlines. Uh, but the thing is, I understood better what I was saying. Yeah, I was frustrated when I was doing the podcast like over and over and over again. But I got to appreciate it at the end of it all. Um, you know, because I was doing um, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4, all the way to 19. And, you know, I actually understood it better. And I thought, you know, oh, this is so strenuous. I keep, yeah, people keep calling me and, you know, my podcast keeps cutting. But, you know, I, get, I got to understand it, you know, the sixth time. I got to actually do it better and understand it better. Like, you know, the few points that I actually didn't understand. So, you know, this is with the Bible. If you read it over and over again, you don't understand a chapter, read it again. You don't understand it again, read it again. You don't understand it again, pray over it and read it again until you actually get it and understand. Only then will you have that relationship with God. Only then will you know God. If you know the word of God, only then will you have that relationship and know God. Verse 9 goes on to read, Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children, I will bring charges. So here... You know, God says, I will plead with you as I haven't given up on you. God hasn't given up on us. God's not done with you and me. God never gives up on us. He took his children from Egypt, from, the la from where they were capti held captive. He took his children from the land of Egypt, from, from Egypt and into the wilderness where they stayed for 40 years and he didn't give up on them. They complained, they whined and pined and he didn't give up on them. So God's not done with you and me. So dropping down to verse 13, it reads, For my people have committed two evils. And these are the two examples that God has given. And they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves. The second thing is they've hewn themselves systems, broken systems that can hold no water. So God here today, many people have left God, um, you know, out of their lives completely. And they have hewn themselves their own systems and are drinking out of it today. And um, it's not satisfying. It's not satisfying. The heart cannot be satisfied. The heart is like one big giant black hole. It keeps wanting and wanting. Today you're going to want like one kind of a phone. Tomorrow you're going to be like, oh, hey, I want that phone. It, 
a new phone. It does something better. Tomorrow you're going to have like, you're going to say, I want a million dollars. The following day you're going to be like, oh, I want like $2 million. And we'll keep wanting more and more and more and we'll never get satisfied because we have turned away from God. We have prioritized the wrong things. And um, here it, God even says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. God is the fountain of the living water. He will quench our souls. He will quench our spirits. He will quench our lives. And, you know, they have turned, you know, we have made our own idols that we are actually following. And, um, you know, here, you know, when man rejects God, so when you reject God, you're going to replace God with something else. Man always makes an idol. So an idol is a projection of man's old nature. And man makes an idol of things that he likes. If man, man likes money, he's going to make money his idol. If, 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 if uh, you know, man likes alcohol or whatever it is, that's going to be his idol. So man just makes a projection of um, the things that he actually likes when he substitutes God and replaces God with something else. When he re rejects God, man replaces God with something else. So um, the, the rest of the scripture here, the section, it talks about, um, you know, the, the plumeric against idolatry. I'll just quickly read through it because it's all the way to verse 37. So verse 14 reads, is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he plundered? The young lions roared at him and growled. They made his land waste. His cities are burnt without inhabitants. So Israel was destroyed you know the enemy came from the north that was babylon and they destroyed israel because they had turned away from god and god was judging them verse 16 goes on to read also the people of north and tafane have broken the crown of your head have you not bought brought this on yourselves is that you or in that you have forsaken the lord your god when he led you in the way so they for, they they forgot about god you know god gave the responsibility to the priests god gave the responsibilities to to the people <coughs> in an office of 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 um of decision making but they turned away from god not once did they ask where is our god you know god was asking them what have i done am i an unjust god when he wasn't an unjust god is not unjust god is always right so verse 18 goes on to read and now why take the road to egypt to drink the waters of um, Sire, or why take the roads to Assyria to drink the waters of, of the river? You know, God is the fountain of living water and they have turned against him. They turned to the foreign gods. Your own wickedness will correct you and your backsliding will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. So he's looking, he's telling them, your own wickedness, you know, that cup of injustice will fill up. God usually just lets it like, let it run its course because these people turned against him. And this is how life is today. You know, people are turning away from God. People are rejecting God. And, you know, they're living in their own understanding because, oh, just because people, you know, I went and did my doctorate. I've studied philosophy, you know, and they did begin to question God and question all these things. God is the creator. How do you question a creator? Um, and, you know, they make their own philosophies and, you know, all these things. They tend to reject God and idolize other things. Verse 20 goes on to read, For 
Of old, I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds, and you said, I will not transgress. When on every high hill and under every green tree, you lay down playing the harlot. So, you know, God took them out of captivity from Egypt. They were in captivity for seven years in Egypt, and he brought them back to the land, and they just turned against him, and they are now harlots. Yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into a degenerate plant of an alien vine? So they picked foreign gods, gods of the foreigners who they found in the land over God, over the true and living God. Verse 22, for though you wash yourselves with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. So let me just drop down to verse 37. It reads, Indeed, you will go forth from him with your hands on your head, for the Lord has rejected your trusted allies, and you will not prosper by them. So here, the prophet Jeremiah was given this particular message, a harsh message for God's people. God was judging his people because they had transgressed against him. They had turned into a degenerate plant of an alien vine when God had given them a noble vine, a seed of the highest quality to actually follow and believe in. They had turned to these wooden gods made by their own hands. These gods can't move, can't breathe, can't talk back, can't do anything. And this is what they had turned to. And this is the situation today. You know, a lot, it's sad. You have a lot of nations, you know, you know, they're exiting from God. They are just rejecting God. The end times are near. Um, but, you know, as Dr. J.V. McGee says, there is not a better time to live than now because now is the time for us to, you know, sow out the seed. Be like Jeremiah. Go out there and sow the seed and, um, and preach the word of God. It's, the word of God is going out more today than it ever has, you know, because there's so many mediums in which the word of God is going out. There's radio, there's podcasts. You know, there's so many ways in which the word of God is going out. But it's sad today because a lot of people have, you know, replaced, you know, have rejected God and replaced God with, with idols. And, um, you know, to just fill that hole, to fill that gap. And, um, you know, which is, which is just sad. You know, you see this in a lot of nations. There's a lot of spiritual apostasy. Then there's moral awfulness. And there's just really bad countries that have now reached political anarchy which is sad, and we see this in the news every day. This is what was written, you know, by the prophet Jeremiah many, many years ago. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Ooh, thank you all for listening in. Have a pleasant day. God bless and bye-bye.